Yo, welcome back to Couch Sessions. Today I talk with a singer, songwriter, indie artist and model from California. His name is Hayden. We talk about his come up, why he got in the music industry, what can we expect from him in the music industry, his modeling career, what's the difference, all the stuff that you'd want to know. This is Hayden's story. If you're new here, don't forget to like and subscribe on your podcast platform as it not only helps the podcast grow, but also helps the podcast guests grow as well. You can support the podcast directly at buymeacoffee.com forward slash couch sessions. There's a lot of cool stuff over there. Go check it out. Shout out to Nora for being a couch help supporter. If you want to find out more, all the links are down below in the description. If you're listening to this on the podcast, go check us out on YouTube at Couch Sessions. Links down below. But enough of that. Find that comfy spot on the couch and let's get it. Hey Hayden, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, I'm more than happy to be here. I appreciate it. Uh, let's start with where it all began for you musically. Cool. I mean, it's not that long ago. It's not exactly a trip down memory lane. I'm pretty new to it. Um, started music, started just like playing music around the house to kind of stifle my boredom. I, we moved around a lot as a kid, so I was always fiddling with the guitar and the drums, trying to teach myself things to, to waste time. And um, as I got older, branched away from it and eventually came back when I got into college and started playing guitar, um, doing like session gigs and stuff, playing for other artists and producers. And I, I had like a hand injury that just developed over time and had to stop doing that. So I started writing songs and felt like nobody else could sing a few of them. So I started singing them on my own and just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. And I've been told you model. What came first, modeling or singing? Um, it was modeling. Oh, yeah. I, I was like not singing professionally or anything, but I guess singing to myself and at home before. But I got scouted as a, a model when I was like 17 in high school, kind of plucked off the street and started traveling from my little town, which is called Ojai in California. Um, it's just a few hours north of Los Angeles. And I started traveling from Ojai to LA to do modeling gigs. And that was my introduction into the creative space in LA. What is the modeling industry like? Like for people on the outside, it, what's like, what's the juicy gossip on the inside? <laughs> Man, what a great question. Uh, it's it's exactly what you think it is and then not at all what you think it is at the same time. It's not nearly as glamorous as people think. A lot of the most high-end photo shoots that you'll do are in like a person's apartment and it's just made to look, you know, quite glamorous. Uh, in terms of like living off of it, it's pretty hard because you can do a shoot one month and get like 11 grand for a, a two-day shoot with Tommy Hilfiger and then you could just be dry for three months and have nothing to live off of. So it's uh it makes music look more stable music is not like even close uh, and so my experience with it was i'm not a particularly good model i have a very specific look i'm like a, a blonde suit unusually tall california looking kid and and that works for certain seasons then other seasons it just really doesn't and there's not much i can do about it so um it was a great introduction to meeting people and and like understanding how creativity works and that you can profit off of it. But it wasn't necessarily 
something that I like got fulfillment out of. Did you feel like you got most of your fans from your modeling phase or are these all brand new Hayden fans? I think when I started, when I did modeling, I was like slowly picking up a following because of that. Um, I did like Germany's next top model. I was on a show there. So I started gaining a little bit of recognition from that. And as soon as I stopped posting like shirtless pictures of myself or or, like my modeling portfolio on social media, I started dropping followers pretty quickly, (laughs) but it was something that I, I never really got any type of um, fulfillment from. And so that transition was awkward for some people. And then some people have stuck right by me. So I would say it's a, it's a healthy mix and slowly the music side is coming up, but uh, whatever gets them in the door, I'll, I'll take it. And you study at USC, you study music. USC. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at a university of Southern California. Uh, I'm doing a, a music industry degree, which is kind of just like, a very niche business degree and what's that like interesting you know uh considering it's a university degree because here we have like diplomas Mm. and stuff and it's just like a small school but like right right studying at university for music it's completely different right yeah i i was i went into college as an aerospace engineer major so i was very much on the stem path Jeez. and was looking to do that <laughs> it was a lot of awkward transitions in my life um I, I came in for that and it was rigorous and it was something that i thought i wanted to do like a lot of other things um over time i, I just started doing music more and more on the side and, and met musicians and realized that it was something that i i could do and was wasn't completely terrible at to begin with um so I transitioned into my music industry degree as a middle ground because I wasn't, I still have that kind of STEM side of my brain that needs logical, um, that's logical and analytical. And I'm not really just able to like jump fully into a creative project without making sure that I'm at least got some kind of safety net below me. So studying the business side of music, I felt was an, a, a nice way to like inform my own artist project without just becoming a, a, a performing major because the only thing you could do with a performance degree is perform for other artists or hopefully be other art and another artist of, of some sort but it's it's much it's a much more narrow path i was gonna say if you're gonna jump into that music stuff full-time as your study yeah. what were your parents gonna say you know you went there as an aerospace yeah. <laughs> and then you're like oh no, yeah, yeah, music yeah. now Dude, their bragging rights went through the floor, uh, <laughs> completely gone. So it was, it took a, I think a little bit of time. It took a little bit of time for me as well to, to understand that I was going to do it. I was like, I, I was looking at the edge of the cliff, ready to jump. And it took me a, a little bit of time to finish counting to three and finally doing it. Um, they've been more than supportive now and they've come to a few of my shows and have felt how tangible it can be and like seeing fans come to shows and people singing songs and seeing that i can make money off of it and the community i I think they really gain their happiness from mine so the more that i uh gain from it i think they do as well what was your first performance like speaking of performances it was it was really cool i I performed at a, a bar called Bar Lubitsch. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. It's like a Russian bar in, I think, West Hollywood or so. Um, with a, It was a showcase put on by um, a really awesome music blog and, and music curator 
uh, called We Found New Music, and it's hosted by a guy named Grant Owens. He heard my second single, just really liked it, wanted to put me on their radio show and, and have me play a few shows in their showcase. It was my first show ever, absolutely nerve-wracking. Like 450 people came out to see me and a few of my friends who were also playing. We did kind of like a, a mini festival lineup showcase at that at that bar and it was just like ridiculously packed everyone was super warm and welcoming and i couldn't have imagined it going any better than it did do you feel like the modeling helped with your stage fright to say yeah i think i think more than anything it just got me comfortable with the idea that people are gonna perceive me in in ways that i can't necessarily control and all i can do is control the things that i that I I can really only control my actions and reactions to those things. So it made me comfortable in front of a camera. It made me comfortable um, expressing myself through more than just my, my voice. I, I feel like uh, doing like runways and stuff just made it much easier to, to interact with people without actually talking to them or without actually being, you know, having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them. Yeah. And on the topic of singles, you just dropped your new one, Okay, Okay, K. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Does your <laughs> ex-girlfriend know it's about her? <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I would think so. It's such, an, it's such a ridiculously specific song. That if, if she doesn't, I would be a, a little bit surprised. And I had it for so long thinking of the day that I would drop it. I was like, fuck, I'm going to hear about this. I know for a fact. Um, and, and I did hear about it from her, but it was positive feedback and she really liked it. And so it, it went over well, which is good. You said you were sitting on it for a while. How long's a while? Um, that was one of the first songs we ever did. I, I had the really big Justin Timberlake phase and I just was like, I just want to rip off Justin Timberlake a little bit in the instinct era. And I, and I did it about a year and a half ago. I wrote it and we, we finished it about a year ago. So um, we've been sitting on it for so long and it just felt so alien to the rest of my songs. It's not really me. It's, it's something, it was me kind of putting on an impression for fun. And um, just now I, someone told me as uh, actually a form of criticism that they didn't like the song. because It sounded like I was like a K-pop boy band group. <laughs> And I was like, Halloween's coming up. I could just be a boy band for Halloween. And I would finally have an excuse to drop this like ridiculous impersonation of a song that I have while trying to throw like my own little clever twist on the marketing of it. So the stars aligned and, and it took that long for them too, I guess. I did see a marketing post from you of a number plate that said, okay. Was that your number plate or was that just some random number plate you found in a parking lot? Oh, no, I, that was a, a random one. And funny enough, the person whose car that was like knew about the music and stuff. And they're like, oh my gosh, I saw that you're putting the song out and stuff. And I'm, that's like the second time that's happened in the last month or so um, where there's a weird coincidence and I shout it out on my story and then a person responds like, this is my car, this is my whatever. Like, that's so weird. I love your music, blah, blah, blah. So it was, it was a cool uh, coincidence. If that's not the universe saying that it's meant to happen, I don't know what it is. Like Maybe I'm just meant to be a boy band, man. I don't know. <laughs> I should, maybe I should just make the full transition. Do you have any uh, friends that could join your boy band? Uh, I, I feel like 
I did it the way that I probably would uh, for the this release, and I would just have all of them be different versions of me. So maybe I'd have to like create, you know, those like virtual influencers, the VR influencers, where they're not real humans, but they're like designed and stuff. I would just make four other versions of me to do it because I only trust myself. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very interesting. I, I would, I'd pay to see that. Especially performance Live shows would be yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be ridiculously difficult. It would be like a magic show more than a, a music performance. Oh, yeah. Logistical nightmare. You did 100%. say Justin Timberlake was your inspiration. Who else is your inspiration? Um, at that time, Justin Timberlake was, was up there. I, I was really into just kind of pop R&B of, of the early 2000s. So I was uh, into, I loved Neo and Usher and uh, Timberlake uh mario a lot of those early kind of r&b pop writers specifically and their their voices and stuff are amazing but i i don't have a voice like that i don't have the vocal agility or, or the uh performance abilities that they do but their writing grabbed me and it was it was painfully honest and you might call it cliche now but i think at the time they were paving the way for something so it didn't quite feel as as cheesy mm-hmm. um so early on it was them and, and now I've kind of moved to more of like a singer songwriter place in terms of lyrics and specificity. I'm more moved by like indie or sounding songwriting um, by like Sam Fender and uh, John Mayer. Uh, who else? I, uh, Bruce Springsteen. I've even dove into his catalog a good amount. I just like kind of going back to the roots and figuring that out as well. It's, I guess you can kind of hear that in your music. Like when you say, it's a, all the, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, that. it's a, it's, I always put my own twist on it. So I, I try to as best as I can. Oh, this recent single is a, a very clear exception, but I try not to wear my influences too brightly on my sleeve. Uh, everything kind of goes through this filter that I create and every decision that I make has to have some form of justification or, um, or, connection to my life otherwise it just doesn't it doesn't really feel like me yeah what is your writing process like do you have, like do you just sit down and go today i'm writing or do you just come to inspiration and then write down some stuff lately it's been i have had such little time to write i've been work i've been trying to write this one course the last three days but i haven't had more than like 40 minutes to sit down and just actually work on it with the guitar so when I'm not like swamped with stuff to do, uh, I, I tend to wait for something to happen. I, I need to have something that inspires me because I've tried to sit down and wrestle a song out of my brain and it just doesn't, it doesn't end up working. And I don't feel like creativity responds well to you pushing it out. Yeah. Um, so now it's got to come from a melody idea that I have in the shower or a lyrical idea or song title, or maybe just a chord progression that I heard felt like I could do something with. Um, I guess typically more than anything, it starts on the guitar just because I was a guitar player first and foremost. So that's the steel mill. And I, I work with a chord progression that feels inspiring and try to work the other elements in. I feel most inspiration comes from the shower. You know, all great ideas Dude, come from the shower. I felt that so much that I Googled it one time. There's like something about the hot water and like the fumes and stuff that like boosts your electrolytes or some weird scientific <laughs> thing that is probably total BS. But I, uh, I, I 100% agree. Like early mornings and showers, those are the two times where I just feel most inspired for some reason. Well, if it works, it works, right? 
I guess so. Yeah. It's funny because most musicians and stuff are night owls and I'm a night owl, but I don't like to work at night. I, I can stay up at night and, and stuff, but I typically like to do the bulk of my work in the mornings. And that is like the antithesis of any other like songwriter or rapper or artist that you'll ever meet. They're all night owls. So it's an interesting collaborative space. How do you keep up with your busy schedule being a model, a student and a artist? It sounds full on. It's, it's full on. I, I know people right now, cause I'm, I'm finishing my last year of uni right now. And so a lot of people I know have like two internships and they're in school and stuff and they still have more time than me. And I'm like, and it's not that I think I'm like, nothing I'm doing is hard or is like particularly that difficult. Like anybody can really do this stuff if they put in the time and effort and just like are aware of what it takes to do that. But I just spend so much time on everything that I do. I want everything to be perfectly thought through. And I want my songs to reflect that and my artist image to reflect that. You won't find, I'm, I'm pretty confident that you won't be able to find something about me that wasn't, that hadn't gone through me in the first place. Like even my landing page on my social media is all customized to match whatever I'm working on at the time. It's, I spend a lot of time curating like every small detail about that stuff. Also, given the fact that you jumped into the to study music, have you ever thought about giving up and then just doing aerospace engineering? Yeah, I, I think earlier on, I was more willing to, to, I was a little more pliable about it and possibly would have gone back. Um, but I was studying uh, aerospace, uh, was looking at internships with like SpaceX and, and aerospace companies and um, I was working on both of them simultaneously for so long that I knew at some point I was going to have to give one of them up because they were both requiring so much of my time and, and mental energy. So I really think I waited to the last moment. If I could do it again, I probably would have just done music earlier, knowing now that it's something that I feel like I will be doing for a long time. Um, but me being the person that I am, I hesitated overthought it a ton spent a lot of sleepless nights not knowing what i wanted to do and because of that i feel pretty confident about it now yeah so you don't get those sudden things of like when you wake up one day and you're like why did i do this <laughs> yeah not yet i not mean yet? I'm, I'm sure i'll hit a rock bottom at some point but not quite yet <laughs> but it'll be comforting to know that everyone has it everyone i've spoken to has had why the fuck am i doing this and then the next day they just push on you know so yeah you wake up and you forget about it that's all it takes just take a nap when you're not being hayden the artist what are you doing i mean the reason i made my artist name just my first name is because i genuinely don't like i spent months trying to think of a cooler (laughs) artist name i couldn't because like i'm not necessarily i don't consider myself like an entity i don't consider myself anything bigger as an artist than i am as a person they're very similar so whatever i'm i really just put my life into uh into my music and into my brand and stuff and my life in turn is consumed by all of that so as of now it's just uh working on on music stuff and preparing for the future hopefully creating a good foundation for that uh my personal life is pretty I mean, I, I love music so much that in my free time, I try to write songs and try to do that stuff just because it's something that I feel is pretty rewarding. Well, it's kind of your end or be all at this point of time, isn't it? Yeah. And I think anybody that I've ever looked up to is somebody that 
they loved it so much that it was their life. And if you were to ask them what they do on their free time or what they did on their free time when they were, so, when that ambitious was peak, that ambition was peaking, they would have been like, I mean, what free time I'm, I'm filling up my schedule. I'm, I'm ambitious. I'm hungry. And I'm, I incorporate everything that I want into my, my personal life as well. I don't want to get off any bad vibes or anything, but if this music yeah. career uh, doesn't pan out, what's your backup? Man, such a great question too. And my mom would love to know the answer as well. I'm sure. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's why I'm doing the thing that I'm doing with school. And that's the whole reason I, I'm getting a degree in anything. I think we live in a world now where having a degree in literally anything is your plan B. It doesn't have to be a specific career path that takes up all of your life. And uh, jobs uh, or, or employers just want to see that you are committed to something. You can follow directions. You did your homework. You were not uh, a, a complete jerk in school and got kicked out. Um, am I allowed to cuss at cursing this? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably shouldn't, right? No, no oh, okay. Yeah. Thank, thank fuck. I cuss a lot. <laughs> so. uh, I'll try to minimize it still, but I'm like, how do I censor this and not sound like myself? Um, so I think my plan B is just working within music still. I, I know plenty of opportunities and stuff that I, that I could take and, and have the ability to, but for now I'm holding out to try to really take a chance on myself. Speaking of the future, when would you say you've made it? Like, this is it. I'm done, you know? Yeah, that's something I think about a lot. Uh, and I don't have the answer to it yet because anything I've ever achieved, I wake up the next morning, much like if I was pissed off the night before or, or didn't understand why I was doing what I was doing, I wake up and forget about it. And it's very similar with success. If I get a, a small win, I'll wake up the next morning and just go back to the grind because I... I, I don't allow myself to celebrate much and that's uh, an unhealthy habit that I'm trying to, to get better at um, understanding. And so making it is, is an elusive, mysterious dream for now. And I'm hoping in the next few years, I'll figure it out. Are you still an independent artist? Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah, have fully a, indie. do you have a dream label you want to be signed to, or are you just going to try to stay independent for as long as possible? Uh, one of the nice and unfortunate things about learning about the music industry in school is that labels can be painted a pretty ugly way right now. And um, a lot of the deals that they make with artists, especially early on, are used to kind of can, can be used, I should say, to take advantage of the artists. Hmm. Um, so for now, it seems like the best uh, idea for really any indie artist in my eyes is hold out as long as you can and make yourself as valuable as possible as a brand, as an artist, as a songwriter, shoot for distribution deals, shoot for publishing deals, shoot for the small things that you can get to hold out as long as you can. So that when the time does come, there's more of a bidding war happening for you and you're more valuable and therefore can negotiate your side of, um, of your rights and, and the amount of ownership that you want to have over yourself and your likeness. So, that's the weird answer, but yeah, it's no, a, no, it's an that makes between. sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Record labels do have a very bad light at the moment. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but uh, I think it's kind of returning to the space like in the eighties and nineties when you had to have a record label to do anything. I think it's sort of returning back to that. It went for the last few years and it, it still is now. 
everyone thinks like if you can drop music if you want to and anybody can do it and it's open to anybody to try that is entirely true but like if if you're trying to live off of it you're gonna need that push just like you would have in the 80s or 90s again so it's sort of returning to that space and i'm hoping that uh, artists will be able to profit off of it similar to the way that they were in the 80s and 90s because right now it's so far it's just the labels that are are profiting off of it like they were if you don't feel comfortable talking about your finances, I just want to um, shed some light on your fans and the people who don't quite understand the music industry. How hard is sure. it to live off being an artist? It's pretty tough. I think I, I talk about it a lot with my friends and people in the artist community. And I think if the first thing you need to know as an artist is like, it's similar to maybe investing where you, you're going to put money into a fund and you're just going to expect it to be gone and you need to be ready to lose money for the next five years of your life. And that's kind of the reality of it. And I think that it's honestly a, a, a good litmus test for people that really want it. And if you tell somebody that they can't, if you tell a group of people that they can't do something, the only ones that you will inspire in that are the people that really want it the most. So um, it's pretty difficult right now, especially if you can't tour. You, I'm such a small artist that I, I can't tour. The only thing I would be able to do is open up for artists and I'm still working on curating my stuff. So all the things that people think you can make money off of, which is live shows and stuff, uh, the world's just opening back up. Baby artists don't have enough fans yet to do it. And mm. even if you do play a live show, you have to pay every band member. You have to uh, the, the venue takes 50% of all ticket sales typically. And, uh, it's, it's a tough one, but once again, I guess I'm, I'm in it for the long run, hopefully. Yeah. Well, how was the COVID experience for you? Like, was it was rough. It was, I, I feel sometimes bad talking about it because a lot of people went through a rougher time, but similar to the group of people that you tell uh, that you say they can't do if you tell a group of people that they can't do something the people that are inspired by are the ones that, mm. that want it the most I felt like the pandemic was a similar experience for me and while a lot of people saw it as losing the opportunity to play live shows or losing the opportunity to see people that they loved and I absolutely felt all of that I also looked at it as in uh, a time for me to just sit down and do what I wanted to finally do, which was write songs. I, I only started writing songs in the pandemic and I don't think I would have started writing songs if it were for the pandemic. I just had more time on my hands than I had had before and my life was changed because of it. So um, I saw it more as an opportunity than I did as a loss, which is a super privileged, privileged position to have. But uh, me and my, my immediate group of musicians kind of made the best of it it seems did you guys do any live um facebook live performances or anything uh i i put on shows for other people at that time i wasn't an artist yet i just started writing songs so um i put on shows for my artist friends and was helping kind of book virtual gigs and uh there's a, a, a platform out right now called a moment house and they're putting on shows for some of the biggest artists in the world right now um they're usc alumni and i've worked with them before i'm putting on like small usc shows around the community just to to keep spirits up and keep music in people's minds uh but it was a bit harder it was like the wild west for a little bit no one knew exactly how to do it or whether or not it was going to be profitable or it was even worth it so it was 
purely based off the sense of community that came out of it. Just from what you said just before, you are brand new to the music industry, it sounds like. Super. Yeah. Super. Yeah. Like a year I'm old? The, I'm even surprised I'm talking to... Yeah, I'm like an infant. <laughs> infant. When I say I'm a baby artist, I quite literally mean I am an infant. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. I do have a couple questions. I fired everyone just to get to know you a little bit better. For sure. Um, PlayStation or Xbox? playstation and new new playstation user we just got a ps5 like uh my girlfriend and i just got a ps5 like a few weeks ago and it, it changed my outlook on life <laughs> just give me that. <laughs> it's like that extra spare time you didn't know you had <laughs> exactly i'm i find myself gravitating towards that more than more than writing a song sometimes and it's a nasty habit <laughs> what are you playing currently the, I'm still on the open. Their, their launch titles are ridiculous. Like the Spider-Man Miles Morales game is mind-blowing. The Ratchet and Clank uh, Rift Apart is a beautiful game. There's a, I'm a big like open-world traversal type person, and I love discovering small things. I don't want to be helped too much in the process. So I love a high-difficulty, uh, big open-world type explorer game. So I'll be playing those for a little bit once I... Once I finish them, I'll probably move to like Witcher, Hitman, those kind of bigger open world games as well. Jeez. Some games that you need to stick <laughs> hours into. Are you sure you want to go there? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm the kind of person too where I'll play for like an hour and then I'll I won't have time to play for another for a week and then I'll play for an hour. So I just the open world games are nice because even if I'm not like doing the missions or whatever, I can just have fun and like mm-hmm. f around in the game for a little bit. What's your favorite food? My favorite food, man, you jerk. What a difficult question. I, 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 it's difficult for me in a way that's not difficult for other people I'd imagine. I'm not a big food person. I typically view food as fuel. And so I will eat anything that's even remotely healthy. Uh, I try to, I think that, I think that came from probably modeling and stuff. I also grew up vegan for the majority of my life and, uh, and then after that, I, my first year in uni, I, I lived in my car. Um, and so from that, I was just like eating literally anything that I possibly could. And I view fuel, I view food, food purely as fuel. And so now it's like anything I can get my hands on that doesn't taste like awful. I'm pretty excited about. So I guess I, I I'm half Mexican. So I, I love like tamales and, and burritos and any type of Mexican food typically resonates with me pretty well. Yeah. PlayStation? Uh, no. Netflix or Disney Plus? Uh, if I could afford Disney Plus, I would say that, but Netflix. <laughs> Netflix is like the default. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's your biggest conspiracy? Oh, man. I dove, I dove pretty heavy into Jimi Hendrix's death for a bit and like the conspiracy surrounding that. The US government possibly killed him and there is... Uh, that he was possibly tortured before his death and his involvement surrounding the civil rights movement and the black Panther movement at the time, I dove pretty deep into that. And then Kurt Cobain's death as well. Typically things surrounding like uh, a death of some sort for some reason. I feel like it's just easier to point the finger at the American government when someone dies. (laughs) Dude, so much easier. Name a better government to blame for anything. You can't. (laughs) 
American government's the scapegoat. I do have a question to ask most American artists and people I talk to from outside of the country to figure out what the education mm-hmm. system's like. What do you know yeah. about Australia? Australia. Uh, the, from an American point of view, everything there wants to kill you, which I'm sure you've <laughs> heard before. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> you guys are hilarious drunks. I know Australians that are just the most fun drunk people to be around. Um, uh, five seconds of summer. A few like really embarrassingly stereotypical things, I would say. <laughs> I'm not fully, and, and it's also one of the most beautiful places in the world that I'm like so desperately want to visit. But it's like a 24 hour flight or some shit. It's so far. You guys are. It's it's difficult. Yeah, it's um 17 there and somehow 18 back. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it, it's that wind direction, probably. That's ridiculous. That's so hard. I do want to circle back. You said you lived in your car for the first year of uni. Yeah. Yeah. How that was, and what uh, was that like? That was, I, I wanted to, I got into USC out of, out of high school, but it's a, one of the more ridiculously expensive universities in the U S uh, at the same time, it was my dream school. So it was something that I, I didn't feel like I wanted to turn. I didn't want, I didn't feel like I could turn down. Um, but didn't have the money to afford quite yet. So I lived in my car for the first year. Um, I didn't attend USC my first year. I deferred to save money. And I lived closer up north um, near Ojai in a town called Santa Barbara, which is a beautiful beach community. And uh, lived in my car to save money, uh, work jobs, saved up, continued modeling and, and would come to LA for that. That was actually when I did the Germany's Next Top Model show was when I was living in my car. So uh, it was a two-day shoot, and all the other models and stuff would go back to their apartments, and I just slept in my car, like, on the lot for the TV show, and then woke up and, like, met Heidi Klum the next morning and stuff. It was so interesting. That sounds like an experience. It was. It was All the college kids that were getting ready in the morning, brushing their teeth in the dorms and stuff, I was showering with homeless people, and... Uh, it was, it was cool. It was a really humbling experience. And I think that was honestly one of the bigger reasons why I did it was because I felt like the modeling and coming to LA and stuff, it, it, it just changed my perception of the world a little bit. And I felt like humbling myself would only be a good thing. And so that was uh, definitely one of the biggest takeaways from doing it. This sounds like a very make or break story. Like you are putting <laughs> all into this. <laughs> that's i mean it doesn't even feel like it really from my point of view i I feel like i can always i feel like i still have more to give uh which i guess is a good thing because i'm probably going to be giving for a little while uh but i'm glad that that's one of the takeaways because i i want nothing more than for people to know how much i care about it um, and what i'm doing and, and the amount of time and effort that i put into it being a year into the music industry what's been the biggest learning experience for you um for the first few months, eh, it still happens now. I mean, I get a lot of people that say they want to help me, but don't want to. I mean, it's just, it's, it's important to keep your circle tight and understand that not everybody's out there to help you and not everybody's out there to hurt you as well. Um, I recently just signed like a distribution deal and I spent 
I spent probably 12 hours just like freaking out about whether or not they were trying to, to or, like bargaining my rights and stuff. And I was like, and the more people I talk to, the more industry professionals that have way more years of experience than me, they're like, not everyone's trying to F you over, man. It's, it's okay. <laughs> like it's okay to take these steps and it's okay to, to let go of things a little bit, especially in the beginning when you're not making much money to begin with. Like what have you got to lose other than, I mean, no, you've got nothing to lose. I mean, I'm making like, I don't know if anybody's researched how much artists make from streaming and stuff. It's, it's worse than dirt. So yeah, it's um, pretty low. It's and, under a cent. Yeah. And it, it's, <laughs> it is significantly under a cent. It is 0. 0.005 of a cent, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> that's my music industry degree talking. Uh, so I think understand who and who not to trust and then also surround yourself with people that you think will help you grow in some capacity, surround yourself with people that are better than you or have different strengths than you so that you can, you can grow off of that and they can as well, hopefully. And before we wrap this up, what do you have to say to your ever growing fan base? I mean, I appreciate anything that you guys like that I put out. It, it feels so directly connected to me as a person, just because this is like what I do. And this is really all that I do. It's all that I think about. And I think anybody that has met me or talked to me on a a TikTok post or anything, I I hope that you guys get that sense immediately. Um, Anything that you love, I I take it so personally and I really appreciate it. Uh, I mean, I can't say enough to anybody that even pays attention to me. So I appreciate it all. And what do you have to say to anyone who isn't following you? Uh, you're missing out. I'm a pretty cool guy. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm wearing a hat from Disneyland right now. Oh, yeah. And it's a quote from the Little Mermaid. And it says, but daddy, I love him. And I thought that was hilarious. If this doesn't <laughs> indicate my personality, then I don't know what does. From this perspective, this whole time, your hat just looks white. Like it looks like you're just wearing a I know. white hat. I didn't even realize how overexposed it is. Yeah, but, there you go. It's pink. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, what makes that so funny? Like, what makes this so funny? Yeah. What I find hilarious about it is that it's from Disneyland. Disney is not necessarily a company. Uh, Disney feels like a company to me that struggles with the idea of, of uh, varying sexualities, <laughs> I should say. And so I saw this hat um, on the internet and showed it to an employee at Disneyland. And I was like, where can I buy this hat? I know you guys sell it. And they did not believe me. It took me like 20 minutes to convince them that they even sold the hat. They're like, we would never sell a hat like that. Disney doesn't do that stuff. I was like, I promise you, you do. Uh, so I just found that hilarious that Disneyland of all people, uh, of all places was selling this. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Aiden, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. 